0: Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a posting of a sermon from back in July. I swear, I'm going to be up to date on these at some point. (laughs) This is my sermon that I preached on July 25th. It's based on a reading from John chapter six, verses one through 21, that famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. Um, I hope you find it interesting. I hope you find it helpful. Even if you heard it before, maybe in listening to it a second time now, a month or so later, uh, there will be some new insights and ways that this speaks to you and your life of faith, your relationship with God. That's what we're trying to do here on the podcast, and we are so appreciative that you take time to listen to it, that you share this with family and friends. If you think of it, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. If you go to the iTunes store, and look up the podcast. A review and a rating helps other people discover it. It really does um, help folks find the podcast, which is what we're hoping to do. We're hoping that this can be a resource for all sorts of people across the country. But now, uh, without further ado, here's a sermon from July 25th. I had a great group of friends growing up who lived right in the same neighborhood as me and so we spent a lot of time together but at this point in the summer, towards the end of July, we started to get a little bit bored. We were tired of the same old video games, tired of watching baseball on TV, we had already seen all the new summer movies and it was just too early to start playing touch football we felt. So, we took up gambling. Don't worry, it's not what you think. Let me explain. At this point in the summer, when I was 15, I remember we created this new game that was a lot like the basketball game Horse. Each person would have a turn to describe a ridiculous basketball shot. Something like, over the tree branch, bounce off the roof of the car, off the backboard, into the hoop. And before the person attempted their ridiculous basketball shot, every other player in the game had to assign a value, a difficulty value to the attempt. Really hard shots would be worth five. Easier shots would be worth one. And so we'd spend hours keeping track of our points. But here's the twist. Five points was not the equivalent of $5. Oh, no, 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 no. We operated by a far different, a far tastier monetary system. Each point was in fact worth one Taco Bell chalupa. (laughs) As I think about this now, I wonder what the neighbors must have thought as they passed by and heard us saying things like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you three chalupas for that shot. But when you're 15 years old and going through a growth spurt, food really is currency. My relationship with food has evolved quite a bit since our days of Taco Bell basketball, and a big part of that is from what I've learned from the Church and from the Scriptures about the role of food. I've often heard it said that God's mercy is most commonly shown through food. Think about it. Adam and Eve are given an abundance of food for their enjoyment and survival in the Garden of Eden. The Israelites are given manna from heaven to sustain them on their wilderness journey. The first Christians gathered regularly for a celebration of Holy Communion, where bread was broken and wine was poured. And of course, we heard in the Gospel reading this morning, when Jesus was confronted with the needs of 5,000 hungry people on a grassy hillside, he miraculously fed them all. As I said, God's mercy is most commonly communicated through food. I think this is why God and I get along so well. Ask anyone in the Bethany offices. Pastor Nate loves the Sunday morning donuts, which are back, by the way, and he loves it when random treats appear in the kitchen, and he loves it when a staff member has a birthday so that we can all eat birthday cake together. And so, whether it's chalupas or donuts or birthday cake, I've loved food for my entire life, But I've come to see that there's something deeper going on when we share a meal together. It's not just about how something tastes and it's not just about getting fuel for our bodies so we can keep working. God's mercy is conveyed through food. And so I think that there's just something more going on when we stop to share a meal together. I remember that silly Taco Bell basketball game I played as a kid because, one, it's ridiculous, but also because after we were done playing, we went to Taco Bell to eat all of our chalupas. Even as a 15-year-old, while I was sitting there, eating with my friends, I sensed that in some sort of weird way, this was really special. I could sense that there was something more going on in these lazy summer days, sharing fast food with my friends. And I'm sure you've felt this before, too. At a holiday meal, or a long lunch with a friend, sometimes when you share a meal at just the right time in just the right way, you can almost sense God's presence and mercy breaking through. You get a glimpse, just on the edge of your awareness, that there's something more going on here than just food being eaten. Something holy is taking place through an ordinary meal. I want us to bring this type of awareness into the reading of the gospel today. This is a famous story that you've likely heard dozens of times before. The feeding of the 5,000 is actually the only miracle that appears in all four of the gospel accounts. We read this almost every year in some way, shape or form. But I want us to move slowly through it because there's something more going on here than just 5,000 people eating on a hillside. God's mercy and God's hope for the world was revealed that day through Jesus' actions. And so as we move slowly, if you want to have your bulletin out so you can see some of the specific verses I'm referencing, that wouldn't be the worst idea. As we look carefully at this Gospel text, we're, we're familiar with what the, the sequencing of events, I should say. A large crowd has gathered and followed Jesus to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and there's tons of people there. And eventually lunchtime rolls around and so people gotta eat and they look now with me at how Jesus responds in verse five. Jesus looks at all the people there on the hill with him and he has compassion for him. He asks Philip, how are we going to feed them? There's no reason that Jesus needed to be concerning himself with this question. But there's something more going on here. You see, Jesus didn't just perform a miracle on the hillside that day. He was showing people what the kingdom of God is really like. All of Jesus' actions are intentional and specific and designed to help us better understand God's hope for the world. God hopes that we'll have compassion for those who are in need right in front of us. Oh, but there's more. Look now what happens in verse 9. We learn that Andrew has discovered a boy who has some bread and a few fish that he's willing to share. And Jesus says, I can work with that. And so in verse 11, Jesus takes this food and he gives thanks. He didn't have to do that either. He could have just miraculously fed all those people with a wave of his hand. But there's something more going on here. Jesus wanted to show us and all the people there that day, that amazing things can happen simply with what we already have on hand. We don't need to go chasing after more, something bigger and better. We're called to be grateful for what God has already provided us. The only thing on hand that day were a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, but Jesus took that and gave thanks, and thousands were fed. And then, after seeing the need, and taking the food and thanking God, then Jesus gives the bread and the fish away. All of these little actions from Jesus that day are a part of God's hope for our world. God hopes that we will have compassion for the needs of others, and God hopes that we will learn to be grateful for what we already have, and God hopes that from our compassion and our gratitude, we will learn to be generous with our blessings. It wasn't just a picnic on a hillside. There was so much more going on that day. The Feeding of the 5,000 miracle was Jesus showing us God's vision for what the world could be like. Through this miracle, Jesus showed us a new way of living where compassion and gratitude and generosity define our actions. When you share A really good meal with friends or loved ones, it's hard to fully explain the joy that it can bring. You think about that big Thanksgiving table where there's just something more going on than all the food spread out in front of you. There's something undeniably holy. There's something happening on a spiritual level that I don't know if we'll ever fully understand. And the truth is, when we live in a way that reflects God's hopes for the world, The same type of thing happens. When we do our best to act with compassion and to cultivate gratitude and to practice generosity, it's just a better way to live. I can't explain it, but I've experienced it. There's just something more going on when we tune our lives to the rhythms of Jesus. That's the invitation of our faith. Jesus invites us to follow him into a better way of life, into a way that God always hoped we might live. And when we do, lives are changed, the hungry are fed, and the miraculous breaks in again. Amen.